pray together. Lord God, now we come to the teaching of your word, and we are so grateful for Travis. We're thankful for all these elder candidates who have studied hard for several months now and sought your will and, and are ready now to seek the confirmation and affirmation of the church. Bless them. And now bless your word. And Lord, I pray that, that you let the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be pleasing in your sight, O Lord, my rock and my Redeemer. Give us ears that can hear and eyes that can see that we might respond rightly to your word. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. We are talking about the fact that we're better together and that we live hopeful and, and that we are able to be helpful better together. Now, living hopeful does not mean that we're always going to be happy about our circumstance. What it means is, no matter what we go through, we are confident that God is with us and He is here right now. He has a plan for all that, that we go through, and our responsibility is to trust Him and to love Him and obey Him and pursue His purpose, and in so doing, fulfill His destiny for our lives. That's our hope. Our hope is not in what we can do, it's in what God is doing, has done, and how we have to join Him in it. And a part of joining Him is being helpful to others. And we're not helpful so that other people will be grateful to us and so we can... We can have some kind of appearance of, of being nice. No, we meet people where they are, in places of brokenness and messiness, just exactly where God met us, in brokenness and messiness. And we choose to be helpful in the hope that we have given. And as we do that, we'll fulfill our vision, to, to be a family of disciples that, that, that are sent by God to make disciples. Uh, we are a family. Uh, first and foremost, we, we are brothers and sisters in Christ. You may have a Netflix or a, a Spotify membership. It's not like your church membership. Uh, those just give you the, the same service. We are family. We are united by blood, the blood of Jesus. And we are family. And we're a family of disciples. We're not just people who like Jesus. We are people who follow Jesus. I, I, I just love this picture. I want to share it one more time. You know, Jesus talking to this guy. He says, I'm not talking about Facebook. I literally want you to follow me. A, a disciple is not someone who likes Jesus. A disciple is someone who chooses to give Christ their life, to, comes to him acknowledging sin and seeks uh, grace and forgiveness for sin, having repented of their own way of life, choosing to follow him. We're a family of disciples. And we are sent by God to make disciples. You know, this week there's a car show going on. You know, our faith is not to, to be for show. Our, our, our faith is to work. You know, there's, 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 there's cars that you show and there's cars that go to work. And, and, and our faith is to be at work. A faith without works is dead, James says. And our work is to love and honor God and to show the love of Jesus to others, to, to lead them to anchor their life in hope in Jesus, to lead them, that is to, to influence them with our love and with our lives, and to show them that Christ is our anchor, and to show the hope that we have by living hopeful and being helpful. And, and, and our goal is to reach 1% of our city. If you're new to our city, please understand that 84% of the people in our city today will not be worshiping Jesus in, in, in a place of worship. And our goal is to simply reach 1% of them. That is to lead 1% people to anchor their life and hope in Jesus. And so the two steps that we take every single day, the, the two steps that I, I challenge our church with, that we are challenged with in whatever venue or worship service we meet at, the end of every service, we, we, we lead with these words. Can you say them with me? We are called to live hopeful. And, and, and when we do that, 
we will take on, we will take on some, some characteristics that honor Jesus. These are the characteristics of Jesus. Last week we talked about the fact that we will be affectionate. Uh, we gave out bubble gum, if you'll remember, and for that one who lost his crown, sorry about that. But it happens. But why do we give out the chewing gum? Well, because it was a reminder of what we're supposed to be like as church. We're supposed to, as Christians, we're supposed to be sweet and tough and sticky. We are meant to, to be sweet when, the, when folks come in contact, but tough to take the, the chewing that we will sometimes receive because of our exclusive beliefs in Christ alone for salvation. And then to be sticky, that is to make it easy for folks to, to stick in and become a part of our community of faith. Well, today, we want to talk about the fact that as we choose to live hopeful and be helpful, not only will, be, will we be affectionate, we'll, but we will be honoring toward one another. If you've got your Bible, and I hope that you do, take it out and turn with me right now to Romans chapter 12. We're going to be in the latter part of verse 10, but we're going to, to have uh, 9 and 10 as a reading for background. So let's all stand together in honor of God's Word, and Lauren Simon is going to come and read our scripture for today. Let me tell you something real quick about this little girl. She's not only our reader today, but this week she accepted Jesus Christ as her Savior and Lord. Isn't that glorious? Amen. Oh. And so today, she's not going to simply read our scripture. She's going to recite it from memory. And so, Lauren, if you would, uh, recite for us our text. Romans 12, uh, beginning in verse 9. Let love be genuine. Abhor what is evil. Hold fast to what is good. Love one another with brotherly affection. Outdo one another with showing honor. Romans 12, 9, and 10. The Word of God. Isn't that great? Wonderful. Oh, that's so good. If you would, go ahead and, and be seated. Giving honor to others, unfortunately, is a lost art form in American culture. Um, and in a democratic society, there are always going to be disagreeing voices. That's the nature of a democratic society. We have the freedom to say what we believe and to believe what we say. And, and that's fine. And it is helpful so long as there is honor given as we say what we believe. In politics, we're not seeing that. And so it's beginning to feed into the, the, entire, the entire fabric of our culture. And we as Christians, we must stand outside of this as the church, ecclesia, those who are called out as the called out ones, we are to live in a, in a different way, to the glory of God, in the name of Jesus, by the power of the Spirit. And as we do that, we, we, will, we will be honoring even of those who are different than us. I can say to you, these in Virginia who claim to be Christians, uh, please understand, I don't know what they mean by that word. I can tell you for a fact that they are not disciples of Jesus. And here's how I know it. John 13, 35 says this. Clearly, by this all people will know that you are my disciples if you have love for one another. That was not love. That is not love. Racism and bigotry and hatred is not love. Jesus' disciples are like him. We are loving. We're not perfect. But we have been loved by the Lord. And that love changes who we are. 
This is what it means to be in the church. God has called us to, to honor one another. More than that, it's kind of a competition. Look at verse 10. Look how it says what we are to do. Outdo one another in showing honor. Sometimes it's easier than other times. I was in an FCA board meeting this week, and this week we were talking about what happened at the leadership camp uh, for our, our young people leaders. And I was reminded of the year I went to FCA camp back in 1989 and, and what happened to me in my life and how it moved me and, and how I met someone that was so easy to honor. I met Reggie White. Uh, Reggie White at the time, he played for the Philadelphia Eagles. It was easy to honor him. Uh, he was 6'8", 325, could run a 4740. It's easy to honor that. But even more than that, the way he loved his beautiful wife and children. He spoke so highly of her in front of us. He showed us what a godly family looked like. And I was just in awe, and it was so easy to honor him. Now, we didn't agree on everything. I mean, again, he played for the UT Vols. <laughs> Nobody's perfect. But it was still easy to honor him, to honor this man. There was another person there that I didn't honor. The young man who thought an awful lot of himself was very critical of other people and spoke well only of himself. And I didn't honor him because I didn't like him. I wish I would have known then what I know now. I wish I could go back and apply what this text teaches us because I, I possibly could have ended up with a friend rather than a foe. And I pray today that the Lord will instruct you in His Word on how it is we are to live, the things that we are to do in order to, to effectively give honor, to outdoing giving honor to one another. There's three things. The first one I would encourage you to write down is this. Honor others on the basis of creation and conversion. There is a basis for us seeking to outdo one another in giving honor. And it begins first and foremost with creation. Remember, every human being conceived is made in the image of God. And they are to be honored out of honor for God Himself. Genesis chapter 1, beginning in verse 26, it says this. Then God said, let us make man. Now, notice again this first person plural. God has always been three in one. Before time began, He was Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And God spoke, and He said, Let us make man in our image, after our likeness, and let them have dominion over the fish of the sea, and over the birds of the heavens, and over the livestock, and over all the earth, and over every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. So God created man in His own image. In the image of God, He created him. Male and female, He created them. Every single person on this planet at the moment of conception, has been made in the image of God. Our value comes because we have been made in the image of God. Our value is not based on the color of our skin. Our value is not based upon what we can produce or do. Our value is, is not based upon uh, our accomplishments. It's not, it's not based upon our possessions or our popularity. The value of every person 
is based upon the glory and honor of God in whose image we have been made. Understand, every human being at the point of conception has unbelievable value. Every person on this planet, you've never met an ordinary person. C.S. Lewis, the great author, he described it this way so powerfully. He said, there are no ordinary people. You have never talked to a mere mortal. Nations, cultures, arts, civilizations, they are mortal. And their life is to ours as the life of a gnat. But it is immortals whom we joke with, work with, marry, snub, and exploit. Immortal horrors or everlasting splendors. This does not mean that we are to be perpetually solemn. We must play. But our merriment must be of that kind. And it is, in fact, the merriest kind which exists between people who have, from the outset, taken each other seriously. No flippancy, no superiority, no presumption. We see one another, and what we need to see is are those people who have been made in the image of God who will live forever and ever. Every, every human being at the moment of conception is an immortal soul. They will live forever. Those of us will will all be responsible for our actions and responses. And we are of such importance that our decisions and how we respond to Christ and His great salvation will determine not only our lives, but all of our eternity. And so every person that you're sitting in the midst of today has an eternal value because they've been made in the image of God. Realizing that, that each one Each one has a divine destiny. God does not, God does not, He does not make mistakes, and there is no such thing as an accident. God has made each person according to His plan and purpose. Sometimes hard to understand this, but look at Psalm 139 with me, beginning in verse 13. For you formed my inward parts, you knitted me together in my mother's womb. I praise you, for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Wonderful are your works. My soul knows it very well. My frame was not hidden from you, and I was being made in secret, intricately woven in the depths of the earth. Your eyes saw my unformed substance, and your book were written, every one of them, the days that were formed for me, when as yet there was none of them. God does not make an accident. Each one of us was made with the skin color to the parents in the culture, with the bone structure, with the mental capacities, with the gifts and abilities, according to His design and purpose. Yes, we live in a broken world, and yes, in this sinful world there will be brokenness, there will be pain and suffering, and and yes, there, there will be those who will be born with ailments and sickness, but even in that, God has a purpose. There are no accidents with God, there is only providence. And we can know that every person has a destiny. Every one of our days, before any of them came to be, are written. Every one of us has a story, and we have an author. And it is our responsibility to to find and fulfill our destiny. We are not some passive uh, uh, actors that are simply playing a part. We are pursuing the Lord. We are being called out to live a life for His glory. And for those who believe, We are to give them even greater honor. Every person you meet is eternal and immortal, having been made in the image of God. But for those who have experienced recreation, that is, conversion, remember what they are. They are are savingly loved by God. 
Now, God loves us all. Look at this, John 3, 16. You know this. God so loved the world that He gave His only Son. God loves us all that much that whosoever believes, whoever that is that believes in Him should not perish but have eternal life. Those who do believe, and many of you in this room have, you will encounter today many who have. You know what that means? They are blood-bought children of the Most High God, filled with the Spirit of God, and sealed by that Spirit until the day of judgment. What greater value can a soul be given than the blood of God paid for you? Adopted by God. We are heirs and co-heirs with Christ in the kingdom of heaven. And we have been given the Spirit of God, sealed until the day of judgment. There is no greater value that can be given to a human being than that. All people on this planet are worthy of honor because they've been made in the image of God. But those who have been saved by grace through faith, even greater honor. We understand. We understand. We know that we do not deserve this life in Christ. We know the gospel. We understand that that, that the world that God made, this design that God had, it was perfect harmony. We know we have all sinned and we've all created brokenness. But by, by grace, we have been saved. The gospel tells us that God has come. What we celebrate in the Lord's Supper, God has come to die for our sin, to be raised. And so if we will turn away from self-sufficiency and self-trust and trust in the gospel and God and believe in Jesus, we can pursue and recover God's design. And a part of God's design is that we would honor one another. More than that, that we would outdo one another in giving honor. Out of an honor to God Himself. Honor all because they've been made in the image of God. Honor those blood-bought saints because... They are the children of the Most High King. And so the basis of our honor is creation and conversion. Now, we are to honor them as we live out certain things. Write it down. Honor others in the practice of submission and service. So the basis is creation and recreation, that is conversion. The, the way we, we do it is this. We are in the process, as we are in the practice of submission and service. Now, submission is nothing more, nothing less than, a, than an act of spirit-led wisdom. Spirit-led wisdom leads to submission. Ephesians chapter 5, verse 13. Look carefully, then, how you walk, how you practice your life, how you live. Not as unwise, but as wise, making the best use of the time, because the days are evil. Therefore, do not be foolish, but understand what the will of the Lord is. Do not get drunk with wine, for that is debauchery, but be filled with the Spirit, addressing one another in songs and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody to the Lord with your heart, giving thanks always and for everything to God the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, submitting to one another out of reverence for Christ. The Spirit of God enables us to have an attitude of worship. So that in our heart of hearts, we are always singing and making melody to the greatness of God. And out of reverence for what Christ has done for us, we submit to one another. Out of reverence for Christ, we we see what He has done. And out of that, we are delighted. We are grateful to get to do it. Can I tell you why there are days when I'm miserable and you're miserable? Can I tell you why there's so much misery in our world and our nation? Here's why. Where there is a lack of gratitude, there's an inability to be happy. Where there is gratitude, 
there is happiness. When we understand what God has done for us, there is a grateful heart in us. And out of that gratitude, we, we gladly submit to God. There's a difference between submission and, and, and doing what we're told. There's a difference between delighting and complying. love the story of a mother who had a children on her breakfast table, and she had a very strong-willed three-year-old, and she didn't want to sit down. She was standing in her seat, and she was protesting, and the mother said, you sit down. So finally, the child sat down, and she said, mother, I may be sitting on the outside, but I'm standing on the inside. Some of God's children saying, Lord, I may be sitting on the outside, but I'm standing on the inside. I'll play the part out of compliance, but I do not delight in submitting myself to you or to anyone else. And the Lord God knows your heart. And the inability to submit comes from a lack of gratitude for what Christ has done. When you understand the gospel and the goodness of God to forgive you, to love you, and to give you His Spirit, you will live in the wisdom of His Spirit. And you will gladly submit to God, and you will submit to others out of reverence for God, and then you will serve. See, service is an act of liberated love. We are freed by Christ to love and to serve. Galatians chapter 5, beginning in verse 13, For you were called to freedom, brothers. Only do not use your freedom as an opportunity for the flesh, but through love serve one another. For the whole law is fulfilled in one word. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. Jesus saved us to set us free. And as followers, as disciples of Jesus, we are free to to live as family with other believers. Understanding your family, you're not always going to like everybody. You're not always going to agree. Listen, we're going to make mistakes, but we can still love each other. We can still freely love one another. No, there's no perfect family. Imagine how horrifying it would be if I told you that, that this week we selected one of you and we've been following you and your family around with cameras, secret cameras, all week long. How many of you all would, would want to leave the room right now <laughs> if that was true? terrifying, right? Why? Because we're messy. Listen, and all of your family, we don't always agree. We don't always like each other. We love each other. And that's what we're free to do. We're free to love one another, even though we sometimes hurt one another, even though we sometimes drop the ball, we don't do things the right way, even when we don't have agreements on our preferences, we still love one another. And we live in the spirit of Jesus. Remember what Jesus said, I did not come to be served, but to serve and give my life as a ransom for many. We are to serve in that same spirit. Because this spirit is alive in us and we're free to do it. And we're able to live out the love of Jesus. See, the love of Jesus, it is to overflow from our lives. See, so many of God's children think that that their life is to be like a cul-de-sac. It's supposed to stop there. See, our lives are meant to be avenues where the love of God flows through our life. When I was a a little boy, I went to a 
uh, end of the season baseball party with my big brother and one of my one of my dear friends. He had a he had a big brother that played on that team, and so we were hanging out. But he was on crutches, and and it gave him time to eat. And we we're having the hot dogs that night, and so they, there we were. Everyone's in line, and we're getting our hot dogs. And I noticed everybody was getting one, but it came my turn. The lady gave me two, and I thought, you know. And as we're going, I noticed that she didn't give my friend with crutches one. And I said, well, why didn't he give one? And gave, why didn't you give him one? And she said, sweetheart, that's why I gave you two. It never dawned on me that I was supposed to share. You know, so many of God's children are like me. It never dawns on them that God has given us enough love to share. His love is infinite. And it is meant to be poured out of our life and then through our lives to other people. And He liberates us to do that. We are, we are free to submit. And so out of this, this, this practice that we are honoring others, we are able to honor others in the practice of submission and service. And, and then lastly, to honor others for the evidence of faithfulness and fruitfulness. Now look. We are to honor others on the basis of creation and conversion. We, we simply honor others no matter what they do because they've been, we've all been made in the image of God. And for those who are saved by grace because they are blood-bought children of the King of Heaven. In the practice of submission and service, we are to honor one another. But in this, in this practice, as we live out our lives together, we're also to pause and to honor others for the evidence of faithfulness and fruitfulness. Other, honor others' faithfulness. Look what it says in Hebrews 13, 7 and 8. Remember your leaders, those who spoke to you the Word of God. Consider the outcome of their way of life and imitate their faith. This is verse 8. Don't separate verse 8 from verse 7. Verse 8 says, Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forevermore. So many times we just think about that one and this one, and we don't tie them together. We, we are to understand that the people who lead us and love us and teach us and care for us, they've been transformed for the same, by the same Jesus Christ who can and will save us and be at work in our lives. But we are responsible to look at those who lead us, who teach us, who care for us, and we are to honor them. Friends, honor those who teach you those who preach to you, those who lead your children and teach their classes. Honor those who are overseers, the elders of the church, those who take responsibility to make sure that our finances and our, our personnel needs are all Honor them. Honor those who care for you. Honor the deacons who give so much time and dedication to provide care and love to this congregation. Honor them, but hear me, without making an idol of them. So many Christians wrongly put other Christians on a pedestal. Honor the leaders. Honor the teachers. Honor those who care for you. But don't worship them. Don't think that they're perfect or that they've got it all together. Hey, honor those, those celebrity pastors you love to listen to on podcasts. Honor those who write great books that inspire your heart. Honor those artists who can write and sing songs that bring glory to God. But don't put them on a pedestal because here, you got to understand, their fruitfulness may fail. 
honor their fruitfulness, but don't worship it. Don't make an idol of them. See, we're all in different seasons of life. And you never know. You never know what's ahead. We all struggle. We all fail. I remember when I was in high school, our school was canceled because of the snow day, but my basketball coach felt like that we could all get there and practice anyway. And so here I came, driving to basketball practice with icy roads. And I'm not going to lie to you, I was doing really well. <laughs> Until I hit a patch going a little bit too fast, and I began to do circles. And then landed up in a ditch. Right when I thought that I was doing so great, I ended up in a ditch. I cannot tell you how many stories I know of leaders and teachers and caregivers of the congregation who thought they were right, right in that place where they are untouchable, who ended up in a ditch. Yes, honor their faithfulness and fruitfulness, but don't make an idol of them. Don't worship them. No, friends, pray for them. As you honor their faithfulness and fruitfulness, pray for them. Pray a hedge of protection around your pastor and his family. Pray a hedge of protection around your deacons and your elders and your staff and your and your small group leader and your children's teachers. For, for those that are, that are visiting the hospital, pray for your leaders. And honor their faithfulness. And honor their fruitfulness. Outdo one another in showing honor. Let me ask you something. Are you honorable? Is it easy for people to give you honor? Or do you make it hard? Because of your attitude, because of your unwillingness to serve and to submit. Some of you can't because you're not a disciple of Jesus. Because you've never given your heart to Him. You're standing as an enemy of God in your sin. Friends, give your life to Christ right now. Don't hesitate. Ask Him to forgive you and to lead you. You have value. You've been made in the image of God, but that image has been broken because of sin. You need you need someone to forgive you, and only Christ can do that. Those of you who are, who are redeemed in Christ, are you honoring one another? Are you outdoing one another in giving honor? I want to invite some of you to really check your attitude this morning. Check your heart. If you're holding a grudge, if you're being judgmental, then it's easy to do. We all do it. It's not giving honor. Pray. Ask God to humble you and to pray. And if there needs to be peacemaking, go and make peace. But give honor. And I want to invite you today to pray for those who lead and teach and care. Because they are the most vulnerable in the kingdom of God. I know we don't look like it, but we are. Because I know if the enemy can get me, it will hurt you. And I need you. And you need me. And we 
need one another. We are in Christ. And in Christ, we are to honor Him by honoring one another. Let's pray. Father, it is so humbling to think of what You have done. You've made us in Your image. We're not animals. We have immortal souls that will one day stand before You and give an account. And our souls will live forever in heaven or hell. Christ has come. The blood of Jesus has been poured out to wash away sin and to sanctify those who believe. I pray today that some will come and receive that gracious gift. Lord God, sometimes we fall into pride and we don't honor those. We hold grudges. We don't forgive. We don't overlook sin, mistakes. We choose to take a superior attitude we're not grateful, and so we can't be happy. Lord, I pray for some today who are just miserable, that today they would be grateful and be able to then become those who give honor. And Lord, we need you. Your leaders need you. Every person in this room is a leader if they're a follower of Jesus. They have influence over their children, over those they work with, where they live, where they hang out, in their classrooms. God, I pray today that you'll hear the prayers of those who come and pray on behalf of their brothers and sisters, that you would be glorified. We are so grateful for your presence and your power, and we worship you now as we sing and as we respond in prayer. In Jesus' name, amen.